All right. Um, the verses that we just, uh, you, you just heard um, is one of the most well-known verses in all of, uh, all of scriptures. Now, providence is the word that we use to describe God's beneficial rule over all the events of life. There is no such thing as good luck. There is no such thing as luck, right, in this life. Now, I know some, sometimes we just kind of wish something well to another person, so we kind of casually just throw out that word, hey, good luck, right? But there is no such thing as luck uh, in this life. Nothing that can touch us lies outside the scope of God's, our Father's providential care. And I think really knowing that is a cause for joy and hope, and it is a rock-solid foundation for our faith and for Christian hope. In this uh, book, uh, The Romans, uh, from which this passage comes from, Romans is considered to be uh, Paul's magnum opus and, and is crucial for Christian understanding of faith and hope. And especially the, uh, the chapter 8 is, uh, is about living in a suffering world, a world that is full of brokenness. You know, so many of you guys know that I, I work at this nonprofit, and uh, there, um, one of the, the, the new project that, that I started, uh, we started, uh, I'm the main person for that, is I'm talking with some undocumented folks. Um, and when I hear what they have to go through, what they have to endure, it's really heartbreaking uh, because of their uncertain status. How, and some of them, they were uh, tricked by some of those lawyers that didn't really do what they were supposed to do and things. And so all of a sudden, they just, their status became so uncertain and they just cannot go back to, uh, to, 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 uh, to their own home country and things like that. And so it's, it's very heartbreaking. Um, and just when I hear some, sometimes, you know, I'm trying to empathize with them and uh, some of the injustices they had to endure, brokenness, right? In a world that's filled with all these, right? Where can we turn or who can we turn to? You know, I know uh, my organization as a nonprofit is trying to address these issues through policy changes on a local and state level, you know, like even with... Um, the Medicaid, the state level uh, Medicaid, they did not have, they didn't include like dental plan. It was for just health. But like through like the, a lot of like, uh, you know, just, uh, just talking to and working with the uh, politicians down in Richmond, uh, they were able to, it's not just uh, this organization, but there were others, there's a coalition and they try to change that. And so now it's, it's now the, the dental benefits are part of the Medicaid and you know, things like that. And so they're working really hard to address some of these issues. But the scripture tells us to turn to God because that's where we can truly find hope and our joy. And these three verses provide just that. And what is that hope? Where is that joy that we can really have? And the first point from these uh, verses is that the God works all things together for good. God works all things together for good. Verse 28 and 29 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose and for those 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, we have to be very, we, we all know this verse, right? We have to be very careful to have a correct understanding of these verses, especially verse 28. Christians in every generation have found such comfort in this wonderful promise of this verse that God will, you know, all things will work out for good, right? And rightly so. And surely, this is one of the greatest promises of, of God to his people. But it is also one of the most misunderstood texts in the Bible. Here, it says, all things work together. Right? All things. So obviously, all things meaning not only the good things, but the bad things, terrible things. All and all in between. All things work together for good. And most of us have probably heard someone, or even ourselves, applying this verse in various situations. Yes, you may have, you know, you may just have got the, the notice from your employer that, that you are laid off, right? But Romans 8.28 says all things will, will work out for good. So you can be sure of getting something even better because all things work together for good. Oh, you got dumped by your ex? Oh, I'm sorry, but don't be too discouraged. It's his or her loss, right? God is preparing someone even better for you because Romans 8.28 says all things work together for good. You just have to be a little more patient. Just wait a little bit because God has something in store for you that is so much better because it's, the verse says it's working all things out for our good. How many of us have heard something along this line when things are not going our way, when we are struggling? All right, okay, okay, I'm going through this right now, but all these things will work out for something good in the end. I just have to be patient. But the question is, is that what this verse is really talking about? The key word here for a correct understanding of this promise is the word good. For those who love God, all things work together for good. But the word good, right? What did Paul mean by the word good? Is that good according to our own definition? Because of our fallen nature, we easily Right? use and employ our limited, self-centered approach. So we interpret this verse often as, so God will eventually provide, even though things are not working out right now, I'm facing really difficulty, I'm suffering, I'm having a hard time, but God will eventually provide all the good stuff to my liking. Things that I've been wanting, things that I've been praying for, I want those. So eventually, God will provide the good according to my 
definition, such as success of my, of, of my kids, or maybe a solid job, good health, family, or maybe if you are single, just, you know, a, 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 a spouse that I would just, you know, I would just fall head over heels, what have you. If you're, if you're not working, if things are not working out, you may say, okay, God is working all these things together for my good. So in the end, God will provide someone amazing for me. We interpret good here as how we define good. We often hear things like, God bless me with a new job. Oh, you know, we were just looking for a, a, a new house, and God blessed us with an amazing house. God bless me. When I think about my family, God bless me with a wonderful family. Praise God. When good things according to our, according to our standard take place, then we say, praise God. God is good, Romans 8.28. When was the last time you heard a Christian saying, man, God blessed me by my getting laid off. I am blessed because I am dumped by my ex. Woo! I am blessed. When was the last time you heard somebody that was going through religious, bad things happened to them and say, I am blessed because of that. We equate God's blessing with good things according to our definition. We often, so when we even come to this passage, we apply that and say, this good here is good that according to what I consider good. But definition, is, it really is important how we understand this. Like so uh, for, for Grace and, uh, and, and me, uh, when we were going to um, uh, honeymoon, uh, when we are on our honeymoon, neither of us is, uh, is really a planner. So we're going to just kind of go with the flow. I mean, there are a couple of things we planned, but, you know, we're just going to go with the flow. And so uh, when, we, when we got to, uh, to Hawaii, um, so uh, the, first, uh, the first morning, right, after we flew in, and then the first full morning, we went into the private beach right in front, right, of the hotel. So we just, and I was like, okay, finally we are here, and the paradise on earth, I'm just going to relax, right? So I was just lying down on the beach for about 30 minutes, and then, and then Grace goes, okay, let's go. And I'm like, huh? What do you mean? We just got here. You see, my definition of vacation is when you go somewhere like that by the beach, you just sit there and just be a beach bum, right? You just sit there, lie there, and just take a nap and read, whatever, right? That was my idea of vacation. vacation. But her, th her definition of vacation is when we go to a different place, we got to, you know, hit all these, like, hot spots and all these, like, uh, tr tourist attractions. That was her definition of, of vacation. So, but we never talked about it. I just assumed that she knew that, that, that her definition of Vacation was same as me, so then she, same thing. So we never talked about it. We just assumed that our definition is the right definition, right? There is no right or wrong, but we were different. But it matters when it comes to understanding the scripture to have a right understanding or right, def, right understanding of what this verse is talking about. When bad things happen to us, the way we apply this verse is 
that, well, just be patient. Something better, right? Something good on our terms will come along. You just have to endure a little bit. But that's not what this verse is promising. So then what does it really mean then? Well, that's why and we find that in verse 29. Right? You cannot take verse 28 out of the context. And it's just something that drives me crazy is when people, like, it's good that they, uh, that they memorize verses or, like, use verses, but it's taken out of context. So a lot of people, when they hear about, uh, or it's when they uh, use this, apply these verses, they only memorize verse 20, uh, 828, that God will work all things, all things together for good. But you see, they are connected. You cannot separate the two. And there are some other scripture verses that people use all the time out of context. And we apply it however we want. You cannot separate, separate verse 28 and 29. They are connected because there is a word for at the beginning of verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, right, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Paul's use of good here, sorry, Paul's use of uh, good here means in God's terms, not ours. The ultimate good that Paul is speaking of here is God's glory. And he's glorified when his children are being conformed to the image of Christ, his son, as verse 29 says. It is important to know not only who we are, to know who we are, right? Not only that, but we also must understand to know who we are becoming. Yes, we are uh, through through the, the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, through the, the, the work of whole, uh, uh, of our Lord Jesus, that we have become, and we are now a children of God. But at the same time, the work of God, the Holy Spirit, is continuing. So we are still being shaped and molded and chiseled into the likeness of his son. Not only who we are is important, understanding is important, but we have to understand we are still in the process of becoming. We're becoming more and more like Christ. There is a change and transformation that's taking place in each and every one of our hearts if you are a genuine Christian. We are becoming more like Christ in the way we think in our mind, in the way we uh, speak to other people, the way we think, the way we view things, all of this, we are in the process of becoming more like Christ. And that's how, in light of verse 20, uh, 29, we have to understand the word good. That good is not our definition of good, the way we think good should be, but according to God's definition, and God's definition is that we become more like Christ. And here's the troubling word again, predestined, right in verse 29. Ooh, predestination versus free will. Well, you know, which is it, right? Well, the word here, predestined here, is not used not in that context. 
That is not the meaning of predestination here, not in this context, maybe elsewhere, but here, predestined, predestination here is his appointing us to a specific destiny, and that destiny is that we become like Christ, right? It says he also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. Paul uses predestination in that way. Therefore, the good in verse 28 is God's work of shaping us into his son's image and producing for us according to his purpose. That is the word, the meaning of good here, not according to, oh, I just have to wait a little more than I really am going to get what I really desire. The late Tim Keller says, the promise is not for better life circumstances, but for better life. You see the difference? Oftentimes we think of this verse and apply it to our situations and say, God is promising us for better life circumstances. I lost my job. Okay, maybe there's a better job that's waiting for me. Uh, you know, things are not working out relationally. Uh, well, maybe there's something better that's going to come along. Right? Something better. The better life circumstances. No. What this verse is promising is that we, God promises a better life, the life that is being conformed into the likeness of Christ. And we have to also understand that it may not even happen in this life. What this verse promises is not, I repeat, is not that every heartbreaking, difficult experience will lead to something tangible in this life. It's not promising that it will happen in this, side of the, in this side of life. The good God may have in mind may involve the next life entirely. It's not promising that only if you just wait and wait and wait, then I will see the visible fruit or the something working out for me. In some cases, we may never see the fulfillment of good that God promised until we pass on to glory. This, does not, this verse does not say that you will receive, receive that before your final breath. If God deems it good to have you wait until you encounter him face to face, then you may never experience it in this life. So there is a famous story of um, Jim Elliot. So he's uh, in the 20th century, early part of the 20th century. He's a young, promising guy, and he went through Christian training and all those things, and with four other like-minded guys, young guys, right? They were uh, really, they were convicted and they were led by the Holy Spirit to uh, go to, uh, to Ecuador of this uh, uh, the, the indigenous group called Auca. Uh, and so they've been praying praying for years, preparing, and just get it, because they were very, they were known to be very hostile and not very open to, you know, outsiders, right? But they just felt like God was really convicting them and just leading them to reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they've been praying, 
And finally, they went to the jungle. And what happened is that all five of them were killed by those people. They really didn't like uh, these strangers coming to them. Right. And what, uh, I, I read a, a, a testimony by uh, one of the people at the time, the eyewitnesses, one of them. He said that the last guy basically had something that was making a lot of noise and it was going like this. Obviously, it was a gun, right? So the last person of the five, the, the fifth guy, when other people were being speared to death, he had a gun in his hand. But he, instead of kind of shooting at the people that were coming at him with a spear, knowing that he's about to die, instead of uh, shooting at them as self-defense, he just shot in the air just to scare them off. But it didn't deter them. They were so hell-bent on just killing the guy. So he died right, with his gun in his hand. They didn't realize what that was at the time. Right? And so, uh, at then, and then there was like a, this uh, uh, like a front page in a Life magazine. At that time, in the 1950s, magazine, a Life magazine was like the, the, the biggest thing. Like, it, it's like the combination of like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, and all those things. Everybody read that. And there was like a front page cover, front cover was, why this waste? So they actually like um, followed this story. And from the worldly perspective, people were saying, what a waste. These five young promising people, right, that worked all those years to prepare to go and spread the gospel, right? Only before they even just opened their mouth, talk about Jesus, all five of them got killed. What a waste. So that was the, the gist of the article. Why this waste? But what happened is, when that article came out, all these young Christian men and, and women, they were so inspired by the, um, this story, the sacrifice that they have offered to the Lord. So that really inspired people that they, there were a lot of people that really just woke them up, said, oh, I cannot just live my life the way it's been going. And so there was a, such a great, like, um, there were a lot of young people that were volunteering, that were, you know, to, to go and just serve overseas, overseas missions, right? So there, God worked all things together for good. So those five guys who've been praying for years to, get pre to, to prepare to spread the gospel, they never received, they never saw the fulfillment of the promise. But what God had intended was through their sacrifice and death that there will be just so many more people that were so mobilized for overseas missions because people weren't really ready or were, didn't have any heart but hearing that uh, the story just ignited this uh, fire among young people. You see, when God in, uh, says God will, you know, God works all things, uh, work all things together for good, that good he's, he has in mind may not happen in our lifetime. And you say, oh, wait a minute, I thought God was going to give me something, at least something decent. In my lifetime, it never happened. What's going on, God? Well, 
That's not the what the the because of if our definition or our understanding of what good is, is from God's perspective, that it makes perfect sense. Having said that, I'm not saying the material blessings cannot be included in the good. Right? It certainly can. The prosperity gospel basically would emphasize material blessings only. It's unbiblical, right? But it can definitely include good things. If God deems it good for us to have some material blessings as well, then that can also have, we can receive it. The Old Testament makes it clear that God delights to give his people good things in this life as well as in the next life. God promised Abraham land and descendants. We are to enjoy material blessings or health that God provides for us. Right? Because in the end, God is a God who created this material world and a God who redeemed this material world. We will not always get a full picture of how everything will work out for good. But ultimately, this verse promises us it will. We just don't know how it will, but it will. We don't see the full picture now. You know, I like how I often see like the little child, right? Maybe uh, the parents, if you have like little kids, you've, you've probably had this experience of like taking them to dentist, right? It is for their good. But usually the little kids, when they go to dentist, what happens? They start crying, right? They're just crying their balls out. They're, oh, you know, no, I don't want this. You know, it hurts. It's intimidating. And they don't, in their own limited mind, they cannot see that by, by their parents taking them to dentist, it is for their good, for their, like, the health of their teeth. But in their little kids' minds, they don't understand it, and they just cry. They don't want it. They're, it's really uncomfortable. That's what, that's what happens with us. When bad things, suffering happens in our life, we may not fully understand why. I just don't see how this is going to produce anything good in my life. But in the end, everything will work out for good according to his plan, according to his purpose. Genesis 50-20 says this, as for you, and this is a, just to give you a background, it's Joseph, right? After, you know, he, he was sold by his brother, betrayed by his brothers, uh, to be sold into slave, uh, to, as a slave, and he rose through, through, through the ranks and then just became the most powerful man next to Pharaoh. And, you know, he brings in, you know, his, uh, Jacob, his father, and his brothers. But after Jacob passed away, the brothers were so afraid. Oh my gosh, at least until now, we were under the wings of my fa our father, right? But now that he's gone, he's going to get back at us. So they just say, please, you know, like our father told us to tell you not to take revenge on us. Please have mercy on us. And this is what Joseph said. As for you, you meant evil against me. 
but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You meant for evil. I'm not discounting that. But what God had in mind, it was, it was good. What a testimony. Even though, can you imagine the trauma of being betrayed by your own brothers? And you had to just go through the, the life that you, you're not, you did not even imagine. All the difficult, you know, just living as, as, as a slave and just being locked up in the prison and all these things. But God meant it for, God had it for good. See, in the totality of our uh, existence, God works all things together for good, according to his purpose. We just don't see it completely. For us, um, you know, Grace and I, we we talked about this past past week too, but for us, the the part that was really hard for us to understand was that, um, you know, just not having our own kids. You know, after you get married, the next, next thing coming up is having children, right? We've been praying for it. Uh, we went to counseling and all these things, but it never happened for us. So it was a very difficult time. It was very difficult for us to accept it. So at that time, especially, we didn't understand how this is, what good will this do? Only thing that we could feel was pain, right? But now we got to a point, as we are now advanced in years, um, we begin to see some of the, the good things, even, it just, even, even in our limited perspective, we see some good things, right? At least for us, we are more available, right, to minister to people. Um, and I'm sure there are other things that we, may not, we still don't see yet, right? But one thing it did was, even though we were broken, at the same time, Sorry. But we do see the work of God. So I cannot say it's pleasant, it's joyful, but we do see that God is working out all things for good, for his good. So what we do not see yet, we, we do believe that he will work it out for his good, for his pleasure, for his purpose. So in that way, in that way we can say that it is good, God is good. Our joy will not come from knowing, knowing that we will get things that we want in this life, but from knowing that our Father is at work to make us more dependent on him, drawing us closer to him, right? So uh, that's, uh, that's the cause for our hope and joy. And the second thing uh, that this, uh, this passage talks about, and how can we have joy, is the fact that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Verse, I want to say 29 and 30. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In the midst of all the brokenness and heartaches that we may face in our lifetime, we can have joy because the best is yet to come according to these verses. It says, we become part of God's family. In the second part of verse 29. In order that he might, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brothers. That he will be supreme among the family of God. God's family. But we, are, we will be called Sons and daughters of God. We are part of God's family. And it's talking about future glory. We get to share in the inheritance of our uh, Heavenly Father along with His Son, Jesus. You know, people can only dream of inheriting the wealth of Elon Musk's or Warren Buffett's of the world. Right? Can you imagine having the <laughs> billions and billions of dollars and man, what it must be like to share in the inheritance? Even if you get a tenth of it, right? That's so much more money than we would ever even imagine. But that kind of wealth does not even begin to compare to the riches of God. Because all that wealth is so temporal and fleeting. But what God has accomplished becomes ours. We are the beneficiaries of all the, uh, the incredible riches and blessings of God. We, we are the co-heirs with Christ. You know, for many parents, their glory is the success of their children, right? If you become successful, if you are well-respected, well-spoken of, receive accolades from people, guess what? Your parents, that, that you are your parents' glory. They would glory in you. You know, my son, my daughter went to this school or get the, you know, just got this job and it's, they were doing really well. You know, they got awarded for this. They were recognized and, you know, they would just, they would glory in you, right? The son is the crown jewel of God's glory. And as we become more like Christ, as we bear the image of his son and become like him, we also become God's glory. And in verse, uh, end of verse 30 says that those whom he justified, he also glorified. What the, the rest of the verses, it makes sense. Those whom, uh, and, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. But wait a minute, Pastor Wujin. You said Paul is talking about future glory here, especially the glory part then why does he use the past tense, glorified? Shouldn't he have said, will glorify? Because it hasn't happened yet. Ah, that's a sharp question. And here, it's because the reason why Paul is using the word the glorified in past tense, is not because he was confused or his grammar was really poor, it wasn't because of that, but it's because Paul is emphasizing the certainty of it. That, as if, that it is as if it has already happened. 
since it is the final stage, because it is firmly grounded in God's set purpose, it is that certain as if it is, as if we can look at it as if it has already happened. It is that certain. You know, all of us, just about all of us experienced it. When you apply for college, right, and we are anxiously waiting for it. Remember, like, when you're in high school year, like, you know, senior high school year, and you're just waiting, you apply to some of the schools. And yeah, there may be some safety, safety net schools, but there are some schools that you really wanted to get into, and you're just waiting for it. And you finally hear from them. And when they let you know that you got in, there is obviously the collective relief, but also there's joy. But when you first hear the decision in the spring of your senior year, you are not yet officially a student of the college, right? Because you're still, you're still attending your high school. But the fact that they accepted you in the fall semester, right? That it's a virtual lock. And there's a certainty that in the fall, you will be the student of that school. It's kind of like that. Only absolutely even more certain, it is guaranteed, this glorious reality of us being as radiant as the sun and beholding God's glory, conformed to, this, to the sun's likeness in his very presence, is so certain that Paul used the past tense for those that God has justified, he also glorified them, so certain, the imperishable body that we are going to have, not subject to sin, death, pain, loneliness, loneliness, or anything like that. We're simply basking in his glory, just unhindered. Right now, we still have issues because, you know, we still struggle with sin. We, we are confused at times. We don't see the full picture, what it must be like to be in the very presence of God. But when the time comes, as we, we have become more like Christ, that we will be in his presence and we will be glorified. Paul says, it is glorified, done deal. Right? It's life getting to you. Still have the pressure for you to perform at work or maybe the expectations that your family or the society has put on you that you feel like you, that you have to meet all the time. Do you feel like it's a jungle out there? And it's a daily grind to push through just to make it each day? It's hard. It's not easy. But remember, this verse tells us the best is yet to come. We just haven't seen, we haven't seen the best days yet. It lies ahead of us. When we understand that and look forward to that day when we are glorified in Christ and in God's very presence, right, that can cause us and allow us to have hope, continue to look forward. Even though it's difficult right now, we look forward to that day and have joy. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord and just take a moment to um, just come before the Lord and uh, let's think about what um, you are going through. Some of us 
are having a really difficult time, whether it is work-related, family-related, other relation, relationship-related, it could be many other things. But these verses promise us that God will work all, thing, all things together for good, for our ultimate benefit, for our ultimate good, which is to be conformed to the image of Christ. God is work. God is at work. The sufferings that you are going through, do not lose heart. You may not see the immediate reason or why or how you are going to get out of it or how this is the impact it's going to have. God promises, even with our sufferings and difficulties, he will work them, work them out together for our ultimate good. And he will not according to our own definition, but according to his definition of what is good. So even though we may not even see it in this life, trust in God. Put your hope in God. Because it's dead certain. And promises us that the best is yet to come. There is a better tomorrow waiting for us when we see him face to face in glory. So let's go before the Lord and uh, let's pray that God would uh, give us the eyes of faith to see, see this reality and take heart, be comforted, to have joy and to hope and continue to press on to know the Lord. So let's go before the Lord and let's pray a little bit.